Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. Matt! Media Productions. You remembered them fondly. And then they were gone. And now you want to know. Who? What? Where? When? Why? 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 Why it ended with Robbie E and Matt Coon. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to. Can you believe it, Matt? It's already our sixth episode of White End. This has been going quick, hasn't it? I tell you, and we. It's gone quick, and the response has been incredible. We've been almost in the top 50 of sports and recreation shows. And look at who we've had. Like, when we talked about this show at the beginning, could you imagine Glacier, Muhammad Hassan, Zach Gowan, Chris Harris? I mean, and, of course, Buff Bagwell. Yeah, I'm like, come on, he's the most important guy. Don't forget about Mr. Computers himself, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine how it's gone and the reception that we've gotten? Not just from the wrestlers agreeing to do it, but the fans and everybody in the industry who just loves the show. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Twitter, I know we said it last week, but I haven't gotten one comment from a fan of anything negative. Everything's positive about the show, and we're we're getting hit up by wrestlers left and right now that are actually wanting to partake in it and be guests on the show. Who would have thought this would happen? So you're 100% right that a lot of the wrestlers are in the show, and I'm getting... DMs all the time from people in the industry, wrestlers, people you would know, and announcers, and, and all kinds of people talking about how much they love the show. It's it's a really great reception we're getting, Robbie. Yeah, no, I know. We're super pumped about it. And guys, remember, I mean, we're going to say it a th- few times throughout the show, but you got to get on your social media wide ended game. You got to follow us on Twitter at wide ended. Follow us on Instagram at wide ended. Remember, subscribe to our youtube channel why it ended with robbie e and you know leave reviews tell your friends share us on facebook everywhere and we're gonna make a pitch for some advertisers later on as well but if you want to keep the show free you want to keep it going we love doing it for you make sure to subscribe to us on itunes our youtube channel and everything else and coming up we have quite a story here and i'm a, I'm a little curious as to what takes us because uh, reading him on Twitter yesterday in his Periscope, Just Incredible is going through some stuff right now. What do you think the show is going to bring us, Robbie? Uh, I think it's going to be insanity. I think we're going to. Uh, I think we're about to dive in. I, I think we don't know what we're getting. I think we think we know what we're getting into, but we don't know what we're getting into. But let me just say a quick little backstory about uh, Just Incredible PJ. Um, you know, I've, I've known him now for a few years. Really good guy. When I was younger, in I believe I was in the tenth grade. I went to an ECW show in Sayreville, New Jersey, and I was in the front row, and he was wrestling, and he got thrown over the guardrail, and Matt, he landed on me, right? Oh, God. He landed on me. My chair went down. I got a little, actually, a black eye from it. I thought I was so cool. And my mother was so scared when I went home, and I told her she called ECW, like, I don't know, the hotline or number or whatever, 
and complained about it. And they sent me free merchandise because of what had happened. And it's all because of him. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> well, you know, I can't wait to hear a story. He's someone I watched a lot, um, you know, in ECW and WWE. And we're going to hear his whole story coming up right after this on why it ended. Hey, Robbie, did you know that Why It Ended is the most popular new wrestling podcast on the scene today? I do know because I am one of the hosts of it. (laughs) And let me tell you this. If you want to advertise on Why It Ended, you can. We have a growing demographic of thousands of people, tens of thousands every week who listen to our show. If you're looking to advertise to wrestling fans, men and especially men between the ages of 25 and 44, on a growing show that's going to have more listens this week than it did last week, I don't think they can do any better than why it ended. What do you think, Robbie? I a thousand percent agree. We're opening this up, guys, and it is an opportunity of a lifetime. And also make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and be part of our growing Why It Ended family. If you would like to advertise on Why It Ended, contact me, Matt Kuhn, at matt at mattkuhn.com. Go to iTunes and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter, at Why It Ended. Instagram, Why It Ended. Listen on your favorite podcast platform or go to whyitended.com. Once again, if you want to advertise, email me, Matt Kuhn at matt at mattkuhn.com. We are joined by not just the best, but Justin Credible is here today. Justin, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Hey, dude, thank you for doing this, man. We really appreciate it. No, uh, pleasure is all mine, dude. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, of, of Robbie's, obviously, a uh, longtime friend, colleague, uh, much respect. And uh, you guys got one of the hottest podcasts around, so I'm just honored to be here and just doing doing my thing. So thank you guys for having me. Hey, no worries, man. You know, me and you actually met for the first time. Do you remember back in the day, three PW shows at the Electric Factory? I do. I, well, well, I, <laughs> well, I mean, you remember well, that they happened. I remember they happened. <laughs> to rewind way before that, we always ask when a guest is on, you know, at the end of the podcast, we know why it ended, but we want to know why it began. So, like, how did you originally fall in love with pro wrestling? Oh my God! It, it it goes back to the old, you know, just pretty much the same old story as everybody else. I catch W WWOR, which was Channel Nine, which broadcast WWF, and I saw Hogan pin Sheik, uh, the Iron Sheik, for the the title. And dude, I I, I thought that was the most legit. Yeah. I mean, that was like, this is real. This is what life can be. Um, don't get me started on the other half, but uh, uh, it took me on a journey of like, wow. And um, uh wish I would have done something else with my life. And I do regret being what I am today. But um, at that moment in time, that's like, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I still, I still love being a professional wrestler when it's right, when it's cool. And very often it is cool and it is, uh, something to be proud of. But, uh, yeah, that's, that was the moment, dude. That was the moment for me. Well, you definitely got the love for the 
wrestling right away and you ended up training with the hearts. You were trained at the Hart Brothers training camp and run by Keith Hart and yeah. trained uh trained with Lance Storm and Chris Jericho. You want to talk about the Hart method of training and what that experience was up? Yeah, you? absolutely. And back then there was no internet, you know. Um I literally got remember after mags, like the after magazines? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Li- I, I literally uh picked up I was working at Stop and Shop as a grocery guy, like a bag boy. You know, you'd bag the groceries. And literally, I would um, I would pick up an after mag, and one time there was a an art um, uh, an advertisement for Dare to Be Great, and it was for Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, you know, and it gave all the you know showed Brett and Owen and the other brothers, and I'm like, you know, there was no way to you know hit somebody up online or anything, so I was like, wow, like three grand. Like, so I literally, I graduated high school, I saved up $3,000, and uh, I called Keith Hart, talked to Bruce Hart as well, and sent my money, and literally, off I went on a carny journey. <laughs> Wait, you had, to, you, had to, you had to send money in before you actually went there? Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. They wanted it all, all up front. Wow. Without you even going, you sent $3,000 back then was a lot of money. Well, today, brother. I mean, today, well, today it's a lot of money. <laughs> but Robbie, especially. it's a lot. It's a lot of money today. But back then, well, I didn't know. You know, we didn't know any better. You know, uh, this was the land of make believe still. So I was like, this is my inn. Like I thought, I thought in my in in my markdom, and I still believe I am a mark. Um, I thought, wow, you just. You work hard, like like it sounds so stupid, dude. Like Hulk Hogan, I work hard. I do my due diligence. If I if I work as har- harder than the other guy, I'll make it. Well, twelve guys started and two guys finished. And uh, in 1992, on my 19th birthday, October 16th, I had my first wrestling match in Calgary against my the other number, the other guy that made it. Uh, Brett Farrell, who wrestles as Big Daddy Hammer in Toronto, he's like my age, 44. Jericho was my fifth ever match. Uh, Lance, I think, was my sixth or seventh. And then after I starved to death, basically, match number 10, I had to kind of go home back to Connecticut with my tail between my legs saying, I have no more. I have no more money. I had to go home. Where, so. where were you li- Where were you living when you were doing those? Like in your own place or they hooked you up? Oh, no, they hooked me up. All right. <laughs> Above a strip joint. But not in Calgary, in Okotoks, Alberta. Well, that sounds which, good. Oh, yeah, it sounds real good. It's about 50 miles outside of Calgary, which is basically as country bumpkin as you can imagine. And uh, and the talent in the strip club is probably what you could imagine. But I was a young, I was a young, I, dude, I, no, but, but I'm, a, I'm a young, I'm a young man. I don't even care about that shit. I just want to train and wrestle. Yeah, yeah, right? you're focused at the time. Yeah, like Robbie said, you had your first match in 1992. You started wrestling as a, as an enhancement talent for WWE in 1993. What was that experience like, dude? I thought when I got to the WWF, it was going to be NFL, NBA, um, and what I got was the carny business. And talk about heartbreak. I, Dude, I got a Vince McMahon speech, and I'll never forget it, in Lowell, Massachusetts. And the reason I got that spot was because business was bad, and 
Um, they needed guys, jobbers, you know, enhancement talent locally. And uh, I lived in Waterbury, Connecticut, born and raised. Bubba actually, Bubba and fucking Velvet Sky live here. Ugh, can't believe they live in my town. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's total interference, dude. They shouldn't live where I live. Um, anyways, um, dude, I literally, Vince pulled me aside in Lowell, Massachusetts on Raw and said, and pulled me out like mob style, dude, like mafia style. And he, and he points to the memorial, to it were memorial auditorium to the American flag. And he said, PJ, much like the United States of America, the WWF at the time, we are the land of opportunity. PJ, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You know, and he pitched me the whole deal. I was like, dude, what am I going to say? No. Well, at the it's time like, in your head, were you like, this guy's full of shit? Or did you like, were you, were you, you know, drinking his Kool-Aid? I, dude, I drank everybody's Kool-Aid. Jerry, I'll drink your Kool-Aid if you <laughs> fucking give it to me. I'm <laughs> dying for it. I wish I, I had Kool-Aid. Dude, I wish I had Kool-Aid too. Well, you definitely had your first sip of it because in 1994, uh, Pat Patterson, I think, offered you a contract and came up with the whole Aldo Montoya thing. You want to talk about that a little bit? How did Aldo come well, about? Of course, Pat didn't come up with it, but here's how it started. Um, August of 94, they were doing the faker taker angle. Do you remember with the Domino's pizza box gimmick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, fake, fake taker, Brian Lee against. Well, all I was, they brought me in to be, because I was here, I was from here, as a, pretty much a stunt dummy for Brian Lee and Mark to just take bumps for. Bottom line. You know, we'll pay a buck fifty a day, which is even today, dude. A buck fifty a day. Fuck, I'll take. I'll take it right yeah, now. Yeah, to, to wrestle. I mean, especially when you're at the time, what twenty years old. Exactly. You know, so I'm down. You know, um, but come, we did it Monday through Friday. It was me, Mark, and Brian. Brian Lee. Um, so Friday was the dress rehearsal. They got Brian Lee dressed up as Mark. Um, Mark, Pat, and Vince were there. And, of course, myself just being extra talent. I, I, I didn't matter, you know. And I knew, I've, I, I know that going in, whatever. So we go through the motions, blah, blah, blah. They're just looking at how he does taker, if you could do the taker mannerisms correctly. And Pat comes kind of to ringside. So, PJ, where are you from? I'm like, well, my parents, you know, I, I just gave Pat the down low in Portuguese. And he asked me, do you speak it? And I said, yes, I do, sir. You know, being humble, little, you know, young kid. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, hey, Vince, this kid, he's, he, he got them Portuguese. <laughs> and, you know, Vince kind of pops, ha, 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 whatever. Long story short, they were looking for a Portuguese character <laughs> because they weren't looking for me as the Aldo Montoya Portuguese. They wanted somebody because business was bad in the States. They were going to go over to Brazil, which speaks Portuguese. Whatever, dude. I ain't saying anything. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Like, whatever, dude. I'll be your bitch. You know? And, uh, and that's basically uh, I was supposed to be a soccer player originally. But back then, being a jobber, uh, and this is old school, like having your face shown on TV as a jobber, like you couldn't do it. So they put me under a hood. And the drawing that the 
cre- whatever creative or whoever the fuck did it marketing. It was like a pie. I looked like a Power Ranger with sh- with Road Warrior shoulder pad, dude. Shoulder pads, dude. If you saw the drawing though, I looked like a fucking badass. Right. The, the you you want to know? I got an outfit three hours before I went live on television, and it wasn't a badass, was it? Dude, it's the first time I'm going out. First of all, I've never I've never had a match where I went over on television. That's number one. Never never went over on TV. Second, I'm putting a hood on for the first time in my life. You know, and all this stuff is happening. What am, you know, like like we, what do you like? What the fuck do you do? You're like, were you fr- were you super nervous going into it? Dude, I was scared. We fought, I was so blown up from nerves. We had to back then. We had to re- we could. It wasn't live, like live, live. We had to reshoot the finish. Nobody <laughs> knows that, but the cut. There was a. I did the match, and then the finish. I was so blown up from nerves. I had to go. Brooklyn Brawler went back out later in the show because he was my first win. And he cut a promo, and then I came out. It's amazing. You, if you watch my first Aldo match on TV, you see me fucking blowing, sucking wind, and then like part two, like cut, like you know, like in a movie, like cut, take two, right. and then you see me like full of energy. Yeah, doing all flips and everything. Oh yeah. Oh dude, yeah. It was it was the most botched job ever. But of course, I'm a, again. It was like way too much to, you know, you're dude. It was the most fucked up situation. You're never ready for it. You never. What did you think of your run? It looked like you got a little push at the beginning. And what was your initial reaction to that mask and that outfit that you saw the drawing of? You thought was great, but maybe in real life didn't match up. Again, I was I I saw this literally three three hours before I went on. Uh, they had the dude. I looked. I looked like a fucking Power Ranger <laughs> in the drawing. In the drawing, right, dude. I I would have taken that. Right. I was not that guy. Um, <laughs> it was just. It looked. It looked exactly what it is. A guy with a jock strap. <laughs> you know. I mean, I had a good body. I was a twenty-year-old kid and all, but I'm not that guy. I, but, but then again, I was the smallest guy in the company. Gassed. Up. I was gassed to the gills. I was on every fucking steroid you can imagine at two thirty. So what, what, was, what was what was like what was the end of Aldo Montoya? How did that come to an end? Uh, I, oh, oh, oh God! Here's my embarrassment. Oh, you're an asshole, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it's fine. It's a good question. I watched Jerry Maguire. Oh right? boy, I know where oh, this no. is going. I yeah, know. Yeah. Did you write a memo yeah. and and copy everybody in the company? No, I went to Vince's office. Oh, what, you, wait, what year? What year is this? Is this what ninety six? This is ninety six, uh, almost ninety seven. So let's set the table. You you saw Jerry Maguire. You got inspired, and you walk into Vince's <laughs> office, dude. I I I barged into his office when I was Aldo, thinking, and this was when Scott and Kev got their deal. Like thinking, I'm king shit. Like they got my back. You know, I know I can get a deal. And I'm like rolling into Stanford, like thinking I can do something. Talk, you dude, this motherfucker is stone. I'm sorry if I could. I don't know if I could swear or not. You go ahead, swear this, away. Say what you want. This guy is so cold blooded. He's like, huh, you can do what you want. Doesn't matter to me. Either way, 
he is him and Paul Heyman have one thing in common. And I don't know if you guys will get the reference. Devil's Advocate Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys ever watched that movie? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's Vince. That's Paul. And, and that's Paul Heyman, too. Man, you don't even understand the aura this guy possesses when you're in a room with him. Like now, because Kevin's Kevin Scott were going over, they had already left. They were getting that WCW money, and I'm like, they're like, dude, we're running the shit down here. You know, it's not even like they're not even promising me like a creative spot, but like we'll get you paid. You know, they're not saying like we're gonna fucking make you, you know, a big deal, but we'll get you fucking paid. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, so I go in fucking Jerry Maguire. Like, you know, like literally, and I and I went in there and there's Bruce Pritchard and all these fucking heads. And Vince is just now looking back, it's actually embarrassing to me. He's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking I'm coming in fucking full of game. Like I can be, you know, this, that and the other thing. And, and all, you know, I just come in with whatever it was that I said, like, look, this is what I want. I want out of my contract right now. I want to go to WCW. And everybody's very bored. Everybody's kind of like the, 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 the vibe in the room is everybody's kind of yawning. And I'm just like this young 20 something year old punk just talking shit. Right. And it was like, well, okay, well, you, um, you'll stay under contract. And you'll go to USWA, and we'll uh, teach you how to work. You'll learn how to work as a heel, and we'll bring you back up as he heel. And I'm like, um, okay. So, total failure right there. <laughs> hey, well, I'll, just to, to backtrack a second, because you mentioned something that I want to talk about more. How did your relationship start with Hall and Nash? Like, how did you become buddies with them? Oh, it was real easy. Um, kid, uh, we... Um, First of all, X-Pac and I used to hate each other, hate each other, because we were the two young kids on the block. Um, He was in a little bit before me. And Scott, um, I talk to Scott daily, uh, some good, some bad. I see him all the time. And he'll tell the story, and I don't even have to cue him. He likes to, I guess what guys did for him, like the Kurt Hennings of the world or whatever other uh, guys before him that take a young guy in. Like, okay, young boy, you come with me. So, you know, kid kind of went with Sean and, and, and Kev. So Scott was like, yo, I like this kid. Peach, you come with me, monkey. And literally my first road trip, I was an opening match on a house show. We're on the B-Towns. Okay, we uh, worked high schools back then. I'm sure you guys remember when we used to work high schools. Um, I messed up. I was opening match against the Brooklyn Brawler. I wasn't even. I was even. I wasn't even Aldo yet. Okay, I, oh, I'm getting a call from Greenwich, Connecticut, right now. By the way, very eerie. Right the second. Um, like right now. Yeah, right. No, right. Right now. But uh, no, I swear to Christ, I, I guarantee you it's probably creditor. But anyways, hey, you never know. I, yeah, trust me, nobody's gonna call me from Greenwich. But no, it's just funny. I had to put that in. Um, but no, he goes. So he goes, young boy, come with me. So I bang my shoulder up at high school opening match: PJ Walker versus Brooklyn Brawler. So we're in a, some shit town in Massachusetts, 
And I'm like, you know, back then it was next man up. You're hurt. You're done. So yeah. I'm like, Scott, dude, I'm I'm hurt. I fucked my shoulder up. I don't know what I did. I'm 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 19. I'm I'm, I'm not even supposed to be in a bar. Yeah. What are you wrestling now for? What a year? Oh yeah, if that, if that. Oh yeah, I did like 15 indie indie matches before I got signed. That's insane. Again, but it's a sign of the times. It was nothing of my yeah. Like yeah. I didn't know any better, dude. I thought it was all. Like you pay your you you go to wrestling school you become a wrestler. Ah. Yeah, I was yeah. I, talk about Mickey Mark. I was the biggest Mark. I didn't know. Now looking back, it would have been like run for the hills, dude. But no, and and Scott said all he said was I'm drinking a Coors Light at 19, and he goes in his and I can't do it right, but he does it in his razor voice. Take two of these, puss, and he drops two pills in my beer. I'm like. Dumbass me. Okay. I drank them. Half hour later. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. I feel pretty, you know, pretty good. The shoulder don't hurt no more, bro. (laughs) Brother, nothing. My insecurities don't hurt. Nothing hurts. I'm able to kiss the mouth of God. We're good, dude. You know, and, uh, and that's how it started. So I just, I basically was the bag boy, the young boy, the... The seriously, all kidding aside, the guy that you know, I kissed everybody's ass. I was yes sir, no sir. I'm just like, there's just like you go through some serious traumatic shit in this business, and I just went through a lot of it to pay to play. I wanted to be a heavyweight fucking hitter. I wanted to be that guy, and and you don't think Shawn Michaels. And again, I'm not saying he played. I'm not saying I'm not associating him with me in any way. But you don't think that motherfucker played? Look at his eyes. Why do you think his eyes are cockeyed? What was okay, your relation? You, what was your relationship with Sean? Were you guys close? Close. He won the world title. I was assigned to him. What do you mean you were assigned to him? Assigned to him. He had his own personal car. Oh, I get it. And he had a caretaker. Would you would you be like in charge of maybe carrying bags for him and so that he didn't have to, that kind of thing? Sure. A little more than that, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well let's just leave it. Let's just you you hit the nail on the head, sure. But did you guys get along well though? Oh, I loved him. I loved him. I still do. I still do. He's changed. He's changed. He's completely denounced it. He's he's set free. Somehow, some way, he's set free. And I guarantee you, I get blowback from this. But again, I feel, dude. I gave this is like this is not a joke because these are these are scars we carry as human beings. As fans, sometimes we forget that there are human beings behind there. And sure. as a superstar, as a wrestler, hopefully some moments made it worth it to you. And, you know, we all remember you fondly. Yeah. And speaking of scars, you know, your time in ECW. Yeah. How did that all come about? I went, no, yeah, I went to I went to USWA, which was Lawler's gimmick, but with of course was still working with Vince, and um, 
Paul Heyman had that feud with Jerry Lawler. Sure. If, if y'all remember um, from, um, and I saw in Chris Candido, God rest his soul, uh, said, Peach, you know, just come here. You know, Paul will make you a fucking star. And I said, Chris, I, you know, I was scared. I'm like, dude, I can't do what you guys do. I'm not in, you know, I'm not into that blood. And, you know, he goes, it's a work. It's a work, dude. He goes, I do it. It's a work. And trust me, it is work. Like, people think I'm hardcore, dude. I haven't done a goddamn... Uh, I, I Fucking me beating my kids on a fucking regular Friday night is hardcore my, compared to ECW. <laughs> and I mean that in jest. I'm just saying, like, so it's you're, not hard. So you're in USWA, and you have a conversation with Chris Candido where he's selling ECW to you, and he's making it sound like the well, place because, you should go. Well, because... Right, because that was like there was that blow-off show that they had between Memphis That's and right. DCW. At, at the time, bro, when you're when you're there, you're signed to WWE and USWA. Is it like you have a weekly paycheck, or like how did the money work back then? Five hundred dollars. Five hundred a week is what you're getting for it. But to cover my first of all, Robbie, to cover my apartment at home, my expenses at home, plus. My on the road USWA stuff. Yeah. So, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like negative a grand. Now, were you making sweet. more money when you were Aldo Montoya on the road with actually WWE before USWA? Was it more money? Did you get bonuses oh, fuck or anything? Yeah. Oh, fuck okay. yeah. Oh, I still, dude, I still get fucking royalties. I got a royalty last week. I mean, there's only a couple hundred dollars, but still, I still get royalties. But the, neither here nor there. I mean, I guess the whole thing was uh, foot to the fo- feet to the fire. It was like I had to choose: do I go with these band of fucking misfits? Paul went to Vince. He goes, "I'll take him off your hands as long." It, it, the whole thing was: he goes, "You're not going to take Aldo to WCW because Aldo don't mean shit. It's just a bad look for me that another one of my talent." Go over to Bischoff. That's the bottom line. It wasn't about Aldo because that's a unmarketable piece of shit. He just you know? didn't want anybody else to leave. Yeah, any anybody else to leave for them because it's a bad look for you. Yeah. So he, I said, okay, I won't do that. I'll go to Paul, and Paul again did whatever Paul does. He's again he's Al Pacino and fucking Devil's Advocate, and. I made, dude, I made more money for Paul Heyman from Paul Heyman. And a lot of people are going to get pissed at me. The Dreamers, the Bubba's, and a lot of other people are going to get pissed at me. Paul Heyman paid me three grand a week, every fucking week. He never reneged. He never, he bounced checks. He made good on them. One of them was on a pound of weed. (laughs) Hey, hey, that covers it. Oh, I went to fucking Scarsdale. Because I'm like, bitch, you're paying me, dude, because I had nothing. I'm like, no, dude, because we gave him everything. I'm like, dude, you're giving money. He goes, he literally gave me like something like a fucking uh, suit, like um, a pillowcase full of pot. And it's like, that's this week's pay. But he always, he did to me. Again, I'm not Dreamer. I'm not all those guys. And I'm saying, I know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm in mind, body, and fucking saw, dude. He always made good to me. And he definitely thought a lot of you because you come out as part of the agreement to kind of keep you under the umbrella uh, and not have you go to WCW. Paul Heyman right away 
gets you in. Um, you start as PG-187 and then PJ yeah. Walker, and eventually you debut as Just Incredible. Do you want to talk a little bit about Just Incredible? You you defeated Jerry Lynn, in, in, uh, and you debuted your new finisher, uh, That's Incredible. What a great moment for you. What a great part of your wrestling career was the beginning of the Just Incredible. Well, that was a, that was an accident. My whole uh, my idea of a finish was the spinning pancake kind of to, of a uh, DDT, and Jerry just wanted to do the you know how they do those high spots with the the like the cartwheel uh, pile driver things, right, right, like where you go back, and it just happened to be that we we had planned that as a false finish. And then I hit him with the, the, you know, just some spinny thing where he face plants, and we just happened to hit on gold like you, that should have been the finish. So you guys are um, just bridging out of the pile drivers, and and you finish just, out by spinning out and doing what turned into right. that's incredible. Right, and 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 it was it was all by accident. Everything that happened was so organic and so natural. I mean, Jerry Lynn, I see Jerry to this day, but we joke about it. It's like, dude, and that's the funny thing is ECW is only special because we still talk about it. It could be so many indie, indie groups, so much talent that could do what we did. It was just right place, right time. Yeah, at the time, um, of, it was a one of a kind, and it was all it was, like, you know, the yeah. first time the shit was being done. But it was, but Robbie, you know it. Anybody, I, I hate to put myself down like that, but you know what I'm saying. It's like I, we, we, it was just, it was just a matter of executing it and Paul's uh, deliverance of it. But yeah, anybody could. I'm not, you know, not, I wasn't special. Fucking 50, 50, 60 guys could have done what I did. Bro, you're too, you know? you're, you're, you're too down on yourself, man, saying <laughs> not everyone. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm down. I'm just PJ. I'm just me. I'm just a hand. I'm a good hand. I'm a good hand. Well, bro, I, I think you're more than a good hand. I think I think a lot of people uh, think you're more than a good hand. <laughs> well, whatever. I mean, and, and Robbie, that's cool. That's that's that's. I, I, and God bless you, dude. I mean, it makes it makes the old man feel for well, fuck. I mean, ain't that old, but I mean, it makes you me aren't feel at all, man. You're not that old. No. What was no. the what, what like? What no. was the drug and alcohol situation in ECW when you arrived there? Was it was it as as big as they say it was? As big a problem? Oh, daddy's coming home. It was like, it was like, daddy, <laughs> dude, mama, I'm coming home. Are you kidding me? I was a drug I was a drug You're a good singer. Dude, I, oh, I am. I, I could do some good karaoke. I was a, dude, I'm a drug addict, and you're, you're treating me to a carte blanche? Really? Uh, Oxycontin one way, cocaine the other way, um, pot. Well, everybody smokes pot. That's like, that's not even, it's just like, dude, it's like, what do you need? What do you, what do you want? And you don't have to pay for it. I was probably the guilt, guiltiest of parties. Cause then I started, all I see, all I wanted to be was Shawn Michaels. And again, I, I know, I, I know all I could say is this. I know where the bodies are buried in Stanford. I know where the bodies are buried. So, yeah, no, seriously, I do. 
And Matt, um, do, you get, do you get what he's saying, Matt? Well, there's a lot of rumors about Sean and a lot of rumors about the click and a lot of rumors about different things that went on that people won't talk about. And I guess what our friend here is saying is that he knows about all of that. I know. Well, I know about <laughs> that and a lot more, but um, it was just a, it was it was our paradise. It's 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 what I I personally look. I'll I'll, I'll only speak for myself because it, it isn't fair because I have children. But it's what's your what's your greatest what's your greatest pain? What's your greatest pleasure? What do you want? I had my own locker room in Fort Lauderdale. My music's playing. I got my own locker room in Fort Lauderdale War Memorial. I'm wrestling whoever. Don't even matter. Hold on. Music's playing. Justin, your music's playing. Hold on. I got to chop mine up. Chop it up. There's my line. Oh, by the, t- by the way, uh, guys, it's time to go home. Uh, no, ref. Tell him I can't because I'm about to have a fucking cardiac arrest in the middle of the ring because I'm too coked up. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. This was what a live event. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. So you're, you're, you're in full fledged addiction when you're in ECW. Addiction. Dude, I was out of my mind, but that allowed me to be that person that people think I'm just, I'm, you know what? I went to rehab, um, under the WWE wellness policy, which again, again, I'll do with the political correctness. It was a great thing. It was the best thing I ever did. But the, the the psychotherapist and the therapist said, "I have never experienced or never had a, a client with such um, pent up and uh, bottled up uh, emotion that has never come out. Like I have so much in me that has never come out. Like I'm I'm bare, like I'm holding in stuff." Hey, do your That's kids all. have any interest in wrestling, or do they not? No, they, they, no they hate. They hate it. They can't stand it. They can't stand it. Were they always like that? No, no, no. They, but they've been for a while now. They just, they know what it is. They know what it is. They know it's the carny business. They know it's just like that. Yeah. It, I, yeah, I, I wish I wish it wasn't. You know, that's one thing I wish for wrestling because it can be. Wrestling is so big now. Like there should be something like you know everybody that does something in wrestling should have some kind of benefits or some kind of standards to where we're not just. You know what I mean? That's just again, but that's going way deep. That's like Jesse Ventura kind of shit. You know well. where. Like that's above my pay grade, but I'm just saying. Like, there's there's a lot of things that could be done because wrestling is a fucking is, is is an amazing thing, and um, it's just I don't know. I I just think it it's it drives people away from. We're trying to get the best athletes, and really, we, all we are still is is resorting back to carny and carny bullshit and. Um, where we are a bunch more. We are sports. You, know, you want to call it sports entertainment? Then call it sports entertainment. But fucking, but do it. You got millions and millions of dollars to fucking spread it around, spread it around. And talk about CTE too, because I've got 20 concussions and I've never signed my name to a lawsuit because I have pride because I don't want to stooge the boys off. But sometimes I don't know what day it is because I've had 20 concussions. 
under other people, you know, under the under the company's name. But I won't say anything because don't ask, don't tell, don't you're you're too scared. How much do you think that loyalty and that that duty that you have hurts you though personally? I don't know. That's a good question. I I do feel undying loyalty to WWE because they helped me get sober. Um, I don't, I, dude. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like fucking sober. I'm not like. I'm sober today. I wasn't sober a couple of days ago. Going to WrestleMania was not a good idea by myself. But I had to hustle. It's called make money or don't make money. So I went out there unprotected. Uh, The promoter that brought me in did not protect me. And I was too fragile. And again, I sound like a fucking puss. And I would say a worse word. But I, in this PC world, I can't. Um, so whatever. Um, but today I didn't drink. I didn't drink yesterday. And I didn't drink the day before. But I did drink at WrestleMania um, because it was what it was. I didn't embarrass my. Nobody would know if I didn't say it. I'm owning it. I'm owning it today to you because I feel I can. I didn't kill nobody. I didn't fucking hurt nobody. Who I'm hurting is me and my family. But it's just not ready to go there yet. It's too much. It's just too much. With the question you asked, it's too packed. It's they're just there. Nobody will be willing to to honestly answer that. It's too loaded. That's a loaded question. Sure. I I personally would answer it, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. What do you and think I, the reason is that they'll they'll pay for you know like you said your uh, rehab and everything, but they won't pay for concussions? Isn't that so bizarre? It's called uh, in my in my humble opinion. Um, I, I I feel it's a lot of uh, uh, media friendly press related stuff. Um, all I know is I have over twenty concussions documented. Um, I don't have suicidal thoughts. I, I'm, a, I'm a pussy. I would never kill myself. <laughs> I wish I wasn't, but I'm you know whatever. I don't want to die. I don't have that. That's not me. Um, uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's a complicated thing. Um, and unfortunately, they're trying. I honestly think they do. They do have their best interest because in mind because they they've had such great success with guys that were batshit crazy drug addicts i mean the worst of the worst who are now success stories i just want to be one of those success stories but to ignore like i'm not on any medication at all right now i don't take anything i'm afraid to get on any medication period antidepressants anything but i wonder what goes on in my brain because I've been concussed X amount of times. Not saying they were all under the dime of WWE. And oh, wow, I'm get, wow, I'm getting myself in trouble. Um, but I'm saying that there is some kind of accountability where something has to get done. And the shit's getting done now. And they're doing the good stuff now. They've done it for me. I can't complain. They've saved my life. If it wasn't for WWE, I'd be dead. 
That's the bottom line. But I still say, concussion-wise, I still am scared because I don't know where where or who I am at sometimes in the day. And um, without drugs or alcohol, I have accountability because I have to piss clean every week. Not for a doctor, for courts or anything, just because I take certain medications and I have to give a clean urine sample every week to continue to get my medication to support whatever condition I have. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. But it's it's very tricky. It's very tricky. And I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. And I don't think they know the answer. It's just a tricky web now. It's like you're, they're, they're trying to just cover tracks from what it used to be to what they're trying to be. Well, so if that makes and, and if that makes any sense, do you get what I'm saying? Uh, uh, what they used to be sure. to what they're trying to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, you talk about a lot. You you talked about how you're repressed emotionally, you know, and you talk about how um, you know, how important wrestling was to you and getting fucked up in the back, but I I'm I have to think especially when you were the world champion for ECW those moments you were in the ring was probably the best drug of all, probably the best escape of all. Was that the high point of your career was being in that ring as the ECW champion? That was a high point in my entire life. And this is going to sound really selfish. And thank God nobody's in this room because I'm in my kitchen watching Roman Reigns actually on Raw. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm by myself it was the highest point in my life because there's a kid living his dream. It doesn't matter if it was for, because remember back in our day, there was AWA, NWA, and WWF. ECW was like that third company. Yeah, it was. So I was like, I, I didn't care. I was that third company's top guy. Sure. So to, so to me, that was my everything. everything. And how old were you at the time? 25, 26. 25, 26, drugs, making great money, world champion. That's freaking awesome. No, but I was but my all my mind was was how I just want to have the best match. All I worried about was you want to know what I worried about? Remember the 900 numbers? Yeah, definitely. I had the backdoor Dave Meltzer's 900 number because I wanted to hear what that son of a bitch. And I, oh God, I should. He's no, he's <laughs> been back. No, no, he's called. I have an interview with him coming up soon, so I shouldn't call him names. But um, I was backdooring his 900 number to hear what star he gave my match. And because was I was he giving want, you good stars? Eh, Mets and Mets. Uh, but again, he respected me. No, I mean it was, he was fair. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not even trying to play political. I mean, he was cool. Do you feel you were but overlooked I, because you had RVD and Jerry Lynn and Lance Storm and all course. these other guys? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't even Lance. It was Jerry Lynn and RVD. Jerry Lynn and RVD, and the whole thing was built, and ECW never made it. Jerry uh, RVD and Justin Credible was the match. That was like the Hogan and Warrior 
And then that's, I'm just saying that, like, I know it's, so it could eventually happen. I'm not saying it's that, believe me, I know I'm not, RVD's way better than me. No, but you were the world well, champion and RVD was the TV champion and they were keeping you apart and that could have been a huge match for you guys. And it just never happened. It happened one day on Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> it wasn't quite the same though, was it? <laughs> no, you know, Robbie's, Robbie and I are good friends and he was, he was like, he thank God I got the cool Rob because he could have kicked the shit out of me and I would have had two things to say nothing and like it. <laughs> <laughs> he would have killed me and I would have had no choice. Who was the stiffest in the ring in ECW? Nobody, dude. It was so chill. That's the thing. It was like it was the fakest shit ever, dude. Just the perception, yeah. That's amazing because that perception still lives today that ECW was the toughest on well, you guys. Well, Sabu and Terry Funk and those guys and Dreamer and they did that beforehand. So we didn't have to. They they set the, the, the standard, so all I had to do was fake it. Like me and Dreamer would sit there and clip the barbs on our stairway to hell matches with the barbed wire. <laughs> It's like we're talking over our matches, we're clipping barbs away. Yeah. So we're not, you know, it's like, dude, it's, we're not gonna, okay, whatever, you know. Everything I did was a work. And you ask anybody, and I challenge you to ask anybody. I was a super fucking fake worker, <laughs> super fucking fake worker, dude. Um, I, I, I think the hardest guys were like Sabu and Sandman. And even those guys were easy. I mean, just based on the weapons, right? There's always a risk. Speaking of Sandman, you had actually the last match in the entire history of ECW, and it was against Sandman. What was that night like? Do you remember the last match of I remember ECW? it. I do. I do. It was in the middle of nowhere in some casino in, I don't know, Missouri or some shit, or somewhere in the Midwest. I don't know. It, it, it was... It, it 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 was sad because the the thing that was that hurt my feelings were we were still drawing we could have still been a viable company. How many how many people were there that last night for the last ECW show? Yeah, probably eight hundred. And did you guys all know that it was the last night that night? Oh, we all knew. We all knew. I was already, dude. Yeah, that night I I, I emailed Jim Ross yeah. and got my and got my deal fucking signed. But I felt like I felt like a sellout then, and I, and on my way to the arena, as I have the antenna fucking phone, almost fucking circa ninety eight. Zach or, Morris. <laughs> uh, exactly, and I'm like, and Paulie's like, why are you now? Because I was debuting at the Nassau Coliseum with uh, X Factor, and he's like, why are you not there yet? I'm like, Paul, why have you not answered any of my calls? And so how do you know, know where I am? So you didn't know Paul was jumping, right? You didn't know Paul was jumping, too. Dude, Paul was there the whole time. Dude, everybody has their fucking... Dude, Paul Heyman is the devil. He will fuck my mother, come in her mouth, make me kiss her at the same time. And that's gross. And I know what I just said. He is the devil. And make you feel good about it, probably, right? Like, turn it all around where it's a positive thing? Yes, and thank him in the morning. Yep. <laughs> hey, th- thank you. I made three, but but again, I was making three grand a week. 
to wrestle Fridays and Saturdays. And you weren't owed any money. You were fully caught up by ECW. He had no choice. Yeah. And then he when no, you he had no when, choice. And then how quick did you start with WWE after ECW closed? Right away. Like on right. TV, you were on like the next week. Um, probably two weeks, three weeks. Wow. Were you the only guy that was on that quick? No, I think Jerry Lynn was too. Yeah, you know, and Jerry Lynn. That was kind of the death knell for ECW when word got out that Justin and Jerry Lynn were going to make the jump. But you you were told right away that you're going to work with X Pac. How did you feel about rejoining your old uh, past enemy slash friend in a tag team? Dude, we were stoked, and and I talked to Sean. I talked to Sean daily. Like he's one of the guys that still like him and I talk like every day. Well, at least every other day. And he like he still cusses me out because I'm like, dude, leave that small league shit behind. And I'm like, but Sean, this like that little period in time made me. People care about those three and a half years that I had more than I've had. I'm almost 24 years in. People care more about those three and a half years I did there than my entire career. So to me, it's like, it's a, you know, it's like sacred ground for whatever reason. And I get it and I dig it, dude, because to me it is too. If it wasn't for ECW, there'd be no just incredible fucking documentary. I mean, I got a real production company with Hollywood people. I'm fucking with Hollywood people, people that are way above my pay grade to tell my story of addiction and my fuck-ups in my life, which is, of course, nothing to do with wrestling. And they ask me, did wrestling fuck you up? No, wrestling didn't fuck me up. I was, I was, this was my path. It was, if it didn't happen in wrestling, it would happen somewhere else where nobody would have heard about it. But do you think you would have had a job where you would have had such access to drugs and alcohol? Do you yes, think? absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, it was, it was not that big of a deal. It happened so slowly. And so it, it, the only thing I might say against it is because my heroes were doing it. Therefore, I wanted to be like my heroes and follow their footsteps. Like Kev says it all the time. I saw Kev, uh, Kev Nash. Again, I'm dropping names because you, this a lot of you know you may not know what I'm talking about. He's like, dude, you know he still drinks red wine. He still, you know, he doesn't party. He doesn't get drunk. He doesn't get high. But he could turn it down, where I can't. Pac's got it under control where he knows what, you know, there's some people that can, there's some people that can, I can't. And that's, that's not a, um, that's not a special, like, um, oh, he's better than me. He's stronger than me. He's a stronger willed guy than me. No, it becomes a mental health issue. Right. It's just your, I've learned, I've learned, yeah, I've learned. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, it's a mental health thing for me. It's, I'm not trying, there's no excuse. I am not trying to, to call anybody's, it's, it's a mental health thing for me. I always felt like I was inferior to others. Um, I always felt like I was not better than, even when I see Robbie, Robbie's cool as fuck. He's the nicest guy. He always treats me with respect. 
when I see him, I get intimidated. And I'm always like, fuck, did I... I hope that's, I a, that's a first for me to hear. You hear that, Matt? Someone's intimidated by me. I think Glacier no, said the I'm same t- thing. I'm tell- no, but I'm, t- I'm, telling you, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I do because I respect you and I get intimidated and I don't want you to think like, you know, oh, that fucking PJ is a piece of shit. I, I just want to make a nice impression on you. And oh, well, I'm, I, I'm actually choking up, dude. It's, I know I'm, I'm being it's as honest as it gets I have but that's my fault that's my demons that's my makeup it's not you you didn't do you know you you don't you didn't do nothing it's it's I just want people to like me that's all I've ever wanted is people to like me and um you know it's 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 I just wanted to be a good good at what he did and and respected for what I did. And somewhere down the line, if it happened, cool. If it didn't. But at the end of the day, I'm a fan too. And I do respect all the men and women. And I just, I don't know. It just gets fucked. Sometimes, dude, this shit just gets too fucking crazy. Just trying to keep it honest and as honest as I can. And I apologize if I'm... You know, it's just, it's real, dude. It's just real. I, I do care. I do care. That's my problem is I do fucking care. Where some scumbags say, oh, yeah, fuck wrestling. I don't care about this. One. I do care. I care about what people say. I care about my legacy. That's all I got. After 25 fucking years, I think I deserve to fucking care. You, so you, you you absolutely do. And, of course, we're we're going to get to the to the happier parts, which is what you're doing now with your movie. And we do want to talk a little bit about just the end, about the end of your, of your time in WWE. And, um, you were released in 2002 or late 2000 or early 2003. What was that like? And where were you in your life at that time? Did you deserve it? And how did all that go? Oh, Oh, I deserved it. I was, uh, um, I was with a, well, let's not even, I was doing bad things. Um, I was heavily addicted to methamphetamine at that time. Um, Literally smoking it in the locker room as my music is playing. And I'm turning up the showers super hot. So there's steam coming out. And I'm hitting the pipe and... They're saying, yo, go, Justin, go. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be right there. And uh, putting that on shower curtain on, you know, the shower on so it smokes hot so they wouldn't see the steam. So, yeah, it was me. I fucked that up. Did someone confront you on that? Nope. Nobody ever did. Do you think think that's definitely the reason why uh, you got released? No. Well, <laughs> or did that just lead to you having a poor performance? Do you think, or or what? Nobody would ever know. I left. Put it this way: I, I one time I was so fucked up, and and there's another party that was part of this that is an amazing part of this game, but I will not divulge. Um. There were Stephanie and Hunter were on the runway to Air McMahon. Where are you? Where are you? We're waiting for you. 
oh, we're right there. We got lost. We're 10 minutes away from where we're, where, where, where you guys are at. I'm still in my gear, hitting the pipe in a hotel room. Nowhere near you. Don't even care where you are. That's what I was doing. Wow. That's the balls I had. Oh, I had balls bigger than Church Bell's kid. <laughs> well, I guess why? Just because at the time, you know, if you're if you're didn't feeling, matter. It, feeling it good, matter. you don't give a shit. Yeah, you deal it with it later. Didn't matter. Deal with it later. It didn't matter anyways because it would have happened either way or not. Was it that you didn't you know? care, or was it that you just thought you were kind of the shit and it could never happen to you? No, I didn't care. I knew it could happen to me. Oh, I I, I totally knew it could happen to me. I just didn't care. Did you enjoy your time at all in those last year, two years in WWE, or did, were you just down on wrestling? You know what I mean. Like, did you? No, still... I enjoy, I enjoyed being being tag team partners with Sean. I really did. I really, really did. Um, I just felt that too much. He had his own agenda and his own deal. Um, going through his own shit, and I obviously was completely out of you know I, I was out of my mind so um, there was nobody to steer that ship so um, I could have been that guy to hold the job down for for whatever and then I came back in 2005 for one night stand in 2006 and 7 I was under contract for fucking two years you know so it's like it always kept coming back it's like you know it, it never I just oh, two, felt, 2006 and seven for when ECW restarted? Yeah, the fake ECW, yeah. What was that first night at One Night Stand like? I, I think of that first One Night Stand as one of the great pay-per-views of all time. Yeah, and it was great to hit Chris Jericho as hard as I could with the Singapore cane. Cause, you know what? I love Chris. Chris is, Chris is a great guy, a great dude. He is the stiffest prick of all time, ever, ever. He always hits you hard, and he's a strong guy. He's a tough guy, and I'm like, oh, you mean I get to hit you, and you don't get to receive me, motherfucker? I'm like, mind you, he's like number four or five match ever in my life. So I'm already thinking, oh, so I get to hit you with the stick, and you don't get reaper. Oh, okay. Boom. Hit him as hard as I could, and he cried like a little girl. <laughs> what, the f- what the fuck, PJ? What the fuck? What the fuck? I'm like, hey man, sorry. And that what, what do you what did you in the break between WWE and then when you were gone and then when you came back for ECW? What did you do in those years? Just like independence and stuff. Independence, TNA, all the usual bullshit, all the usual make your ass broke, lose all your money, work at fucking Olive Garden. Um, since the time you left WWE the first time, when you got released uh, in 2003, um, what's the longest amount of time you've been sober? Never. Um, okay, wow, really quick note, and this is going to, again, sound really fucked up to normal people. I got off of, um, I started with pain pills, and I was on vacation with my family. My wife said, hey, Peach. Um, you know, your Vicodin are to be filled. Do you want to get a, a refill? And I'm like, no, honey, I don't think I need it because I'm not wrestling. 
were off. So I didn't get them filled. Two, three days, I'm dope sick. I start feeling these feelings for the first time um, of, you know, pukey, not sleep, sweaty, fluish. Um, you know, you're sick. Physical addiction. Um, finally, I understood what that meant. I realized I was a drug addict um, from that moment on. So then after that, I, um, I didn't try to get off. But when Benoit and his, you know, what happened with the Benoit family, um, we all pretty much got cut off from our doctors. At least I did, where nobody was filling anything of that nature for anyone. Because the doctor got busted after Benoit and uh, Jindrak right, and, and right, Ray got busted. Right, right. So I had to go to friends or your homeboy, your boys, your, you know, guys, you know, hey, you got something. And it was either outrageously priced or nothing at all. So one day somebody came up to me with a bright idea of, hey, you ever try dope? I'm like, no. Well, it's half the price. Super cheap. Super cheap. Right, right, right. And, you know, it does the same thing. Well, I'm sick as fuck. I'm puking my brains out. Um, Sure. So I start snorting heroin and, you know, it escalates to, of course, you know, it gets even cheaper when you shoot a bag instead of snorting too. Um, and I've never shot drugs in my life. I'm afraid of needles. When I did steroids, my wife had to shoot me in my ass. So I'm a pussy and I don't like needles. <laughs> but anyways, um, that's again, I'm being like horribly honest. I have nothing to hide. Um, and then is when I went and asked for help from WWE. I got on a, a drug called Suboxone, which I still take today, every day, to get milligrams. That's what you were talking and about was, earlier, about uh, about why you have to piss clean, right? Right. I, I, I have to go to, I, I go to a doctor who gives it to me, and I have to piss, I cannot take any outside substance. I can't even smoke weed if I wanted to. Um, I have to be clean. And so, you know what I'm saying? I can't have alcohol. I can't have anything in my system. It doesn't always work that way, but so far, so good. So what? But I've just clean and, and it's keeping me on the up and up. I'm not, I'm by, I'm by no means fixed. You're never fixed in recovery. Uh, I, I think I need to detach from wrestling where, but whereas wrestling is the only means to an end of any kind of monetary gain. Sure. And and that's a big deal. It's a big deal when you have youngins. Um, but anyways, I'm, um, anyways, that's where I'm at. That is as raw and as real and as... I, I don't think I could have told a realer story today if you had to put a gun to my head. Would you consider yourself still an active addict or do you think you're in recovery right now? Uh, Oh, I'm in recovery right now. I'm not an active addict. No, 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 I'm not an active addict. I, I, I believe I relapsed uh, in New Orleans. Um, and by what I mean by relapsed is I had some drinks, but uh, no, I did. I did relapse. I did. And I and I and I, I, I owned it. I own I own it now. I mean, no. And the, the funny thing is nobody saw it. 
nobody would have seen it. I was uh, I was all all alone, all by myself. But your hotel room? No, I didn't even. Uh, huh. That would have been a good thing. No, the Mark that brought me in fucking put me to bed and breakfast with her. Um, and I had to Uber myself all over the place. It cost me more money to be at WrestleMania than I made. And I won't even mention the promoter's name out of respect. I don't know why, but she cost me money. No, they screwed up. They put me in an unsafe place. They really put me in an unsafe place. And this is, again, I'm just looking at, again, you got to understand, I'm looking at, Pete, you're trying to make money. You know, you know what I'm saying, guys. Like, yeah. you know, trying. Well, how to make often money, are you? How often are you wrestling, give or take? Every weekend, a few times a month. Once a month. Once a month. Once a month tops. Really? Tops. I I just saw you a few weeks ago in New Hampshire at that show. Yeah, and you know what? I got fucked fucking. Too, I, I got fucked fucking money for that show. Did you really? Yeah, Tommy Mac fucked me for fifty bucks, dude. And I put him over. And I just, because I was healed. And again, there I am. And I'm talking shit. I'm talking shit. That, I mean, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide, dude. Do you think that, do you think that maybe you could take the WWE up again and maybe you need to go back into recovery, like into rehab again? There's no reason to. I know this, I know what to do. I know what, what I have to do. What I, but there's nobody that's going to, unfortunately, take care of my kids or my wife. Right. My my wife's in worse shape than I am physically. She has cancer, and she's suffering from other ailments other than addiction. So there's like a whole ball of wax that nobody's going to get involved in. And again, it's not their job. They're doing that out of... Uh, Again, there's nothing that I I know what I have to do. They've done all they could do. They can't even do. They, there's nothing they could do. Nothing they could do. So, you know. Absolutely, and I, I get that you feel that way, and and it, it is a powerless feeling. And uh, one some of the power we have is to look back sometimes. And I wonder if you have any regrets, or if you regret getting into wrestling, or you're glad you went through it all. How are you with that right now? Um, I'm glad I went through it. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. I would change things, obviously, that happened in my life, but uh, I wouldn't change the experience. Um, I met some of my heroes. I've, you know, I got to live a life that only some people dream of. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. I'm still blessed. I'm still blessed. I'm, I'm talking to you two guys. Absolutely. You know, you have a story to tell. A lot of people don't have any kind of story to tell. Robbie, I, I, I mean, you know, you, I think you, you, you see, that's the thing is we all know each other, but we don't really know each other. I just wish I had a chance. Like we all had a chance to take five minutes to just talk to one another. Yeah, slow man. down, slow down. No, seriously, like slow down and talk to one another. And, and just, like, you know, we all could understand, like, what it really means. But, of course, I, nobody nobody did anything to me. Nobody's hurt me. I got nothing but love for all the, the girls and, the, you know, the guys that are, that are in this business. Nobody's hurt me. I'm, I'm blessed. That's the whole thing. It's like you're always fighting from 
I'm lucky. I'm the lucky one. You know what I mean? It's like, what about the other fucking 500,000 guys that never made it? The guys that are on their trampolines with their weights. They can be on the mat. You know? <laughs> that is like, what about, what about, right. You know, I bless his heart. But, you know, it's like, who am I? You know, who am I? So I can't complain. I'm just lucky to be here. And, you know, look, I just want to. I just want to do good, dude, and just, you know, hopefully, hopefully through this story and when it's all said and done, just uh, have something positive for the next generation coming up. Because we oh, have our, I think no, I, I think you definitely will. I think when people hear this story, no, I think I think it's great that you're so open and out there and people hear it. So, you know, if you say you've made some mistakes along the way, people could hear them and maybe they won't make them. Exactly. I hope so, Robbie. And I'm just, dude, you know me, dude. I'm a tool. I'm the biggest tool of all time. <laughs> you know? I, I mean no harm. I, I, sometimes people take it, like, uh, we take it too seriously. It's like, dude, we're just regular cats just trying to do it. And we're trying to make a living off a crazy, ridiculous business. Hey, well, we yeah. touched on it a little earlier, but like, if you want to give a little more detail, how did um, this documentary thing come about? It came about through um, the I had a relapse um, on a show uh, in Connecticut with uh, Blitzkrieg Pro Wrestling, and basically, I, I just Terry Funk did something to me. Um, I was in the ring with Shane Douglas, right? And Terry Funk was at the merch table. And I was trying to mimic the thing that Terry did with me. Fast forward, I'm in the ring, or I'm in the merch table, and I was trying to kind of shoot on the kids in the ring unplanned. And Terry did this to me one day, where I didn't know he was doing it, but I know it's Terry Funk, so he kind of gave me the wink, just like kind of, go with it, kid, God damn it. You know, he's Terry Funk, so I just went with it, and he just shot on us. You know, and he just went buck wild, and we just worked with him because he's Terry Funk. Well, I tried to do the same thing. Yeah, I was a little drunk and inebriated. That didn't help, but I would have, I would have, I thought like, okay, these kids will know to work with it. Well, they didn't know. They fucking thought it was a shoot. So it turned into something where... You know, I stepped out of my bounds. It wasn't in the script. You know, it's not pro. It's not pro wrestling anymore. It's a script. It's fake wrestling, and and indie wrestling's even worse because they fucking write more scripts than fucking Vince McMahon does. And believe me, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just, you know, I tried to just work a gimmick, and um, and it just didn't work. And I showed my ass. I, I was inebriated. And the kids didn't know what the fuck to do. So, you know, I paid my price. And, um, but again, through that, um, Dallas Page, somebody got a hold of a movie producer, got a hold of Dallas Page. His name is Douglas Cartelli. He uh, works out of Connecticut. He owns a uh, concrete company, very wealthy man. And uh, he produces boxing and wrestling and movies and stuff. And, um, you know, he's worked with Mike Tyson and shit like that. And he's like, I want to make a fucking movie with him. If we can get Dallas involved. So on Christmas Eve, I get a call from Dallas Page. 
with all this information, like, yo, these guys got hold of me. They want to do this. You know, first of all, you can't fuck with me. You know, I've known Dallas forever. Like, it's got to be real. You got to be accountable. This has got to be 100% legit. And, um, you know, I have nothing to lose because I don't have a pot to piss in. You know, um, so it's like, yeah, sure. And that's how it's it literally this deal started. And um, that's where we are today. Um, we shot a full movie, a full documentary, every dirty, nasty little secret, every hurtful, tearful. Like, I mean, it's not, you know, we, we didn't want to make resurrection of resurrection of Jake too. We did not want to do that. Um, I'm not Jake. Um, and I'm not as great as Jake. I'm not saying that. That's not what I meant. I'm not as good as Jake, but it's not Jake's. You know, it's a different, different story to tell a uh, whole different deal. And, um, I think we did that. And May 20th is just a culmination of it. And, um, and not, and not necessarily it was even my idea to put a live event around it, but uh, I'm here to support it. And, um, that's pretty much what we're doing, dude. And, uh, that will be the closing of what will be my documentary. That'll be, you know, fucking Netflix, Redbox, iTunes, and, uh, uh, Steve, uh, from, uh, heroes and comics, uh, up in Albany, New York is going to have an action figure deal where if you buy it, when the DVD gets manufactured, there's an action figure that'll go along with the DVD. So we have actually a lot of cool stuff, um, coming. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about the May 20th event. And, and I know the movie's not a hundred percent finished yet. You want to get it done. How can people help support the just incredible movie? Um, all they got to do is basically just honestly, uh, the easiest way to go is just fall. If, if anybody follows me on Twitter, go to at PJ Polacco. Every single link um, to CredibleDocumentary.com, um, any ticket information. Um, there's only 300 tickets um, for the live event, and it's basically a, it's basically just a, a shoot for the movie, uh, for the final scene of the movie. Um, so it's, it's just go to that, you know, PJ Polacco on Twitter, uh, CredibleDocumentary.com, and it'll. It'll, it'll give you everything you need to know. Um, I don't do Facebook that much, but you could also go on my Facebook page, Peter Polacco. And then that's it, man. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's, uh, it's raw. It's real. It's, it's moment to moment. It's what you get. I mean, uh, this, that's the whole thing is we're not trying to make this picture perfect. There's no ending scripted. The, 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 the script will end when, the cameras shut off and when production ends it's and, up to me it's it's up to me sure. it's up to me how the story ends really and production you know, if i production ends may ahead. 20th what would you yes. like what would you like the ending to be i just want to i just want to go through the curtain and just enjoy myself one last time i know it ain't gonna everybody says one last time brother you know all that all that bullshit no i just really want it to be something we could all celebrate something we could all say we did ourselves um i i just want it to be something cool 
I don't know what cool means, but something special. Whatever that may mean to you. If if anybody wants to do something, I mean, again, it's up to all of us to do. Um, you know, just just come out, support it, and 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 do it. I I, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to be. Um, I'm as surprised as you're going to be. What what the hell's going to happen? I don't even. I, I have no. The scariest thing is I have no say at what the final cut is. You know, I'm a pay. Literally, I'm a paid employee of these cats. They pay me weekly to do what I do. I have no idea what's going to come out. So, you know, it scares me a little bit. It's not like micromanaged. It's kind of like you give what you get, you get what you give. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I'm just hoping it's, um, it's, it's something positive and I, and I hope it reflects my true intentions in this business. And you, uh, you, you trust the guys that are putting it together that it'll do that. You think? Huh. <laughs> 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 well, it is what it is, brother. I got you. Hey, Hey, when you're Dan, hey, amen. When you got, again, Robbie, when you got nothing else going for you, what do you do? Whatever you got to do. I got again. I'm, I I shouldn't have said that, but hey, you know, let's see. I I have, I I I put all my uh, I put all my ducks in a row, dude. That's the whole thing. Is I'm is as quirky and as will and as silly and as you know whatever I am, and sometimes I mean it tongue in cheek, but if I mean it wholeheartedly, that. I'm the real deal. I just want guys to have fun. Just do something special. So if if that's what it is, that's what it is. And I hope these guys are. And and I and deep down in the bottom of my heart, I think they are too. So you know, let's just see what happens. I think it's going to be a great thing. So anybody, anyway, show up May twentieth. We'll see. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> what a story it's been and, and we're looking for the documentary because if it's anything as as real and as raw and as honest as this interview it's going to be something to watch make sure to follow our good friend uh, PJ Polacco or just incredible at PJ Polacco and thank you so much for joining us man we really appreciate it we hope uh, we do justice to your story here as well well I thank you guys and I, I really do believe that it, it will be um it will be a positive story. And I really do think that uh, our team has something um, positive to give. So I thank you for the opportunity. Honestly, Robbie, you and Matt, all, all you guys to just allowing me to be here and just telling my, my little blurbs and making my jokes and, you know, just having fun with it, guys. When did pro wrestling become so freaking serious? You know, we should have fun with this. You know, we we get too serious sometimes. So let's just have fun with it. And I and I appreciate both of you guys. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. It was a pleasure listening to you. Likewise, thank you so much, thanks. man. Thanks, boys. Well, Robbie, that was unlike any interview we've ever done, and I feel. Uh, have mixed emotions after that one. How do you feel after the interview with our good friend, Mr. Credible? Yeah, there? You, you know, I know that um, we love the one thing we love about our show is we say at the end of our show, no matter what happened in our guest wrestling career, 
they uh, they are always in a happy place in their life. So let me ask you, Matt. I mean, what do you think is crazy shit is going on still in his life? Do you think in his mind somewhere he is in a happy place? It doesn't seem to me like he's in a great place right now. Um, hopefully the movie and things are moving in a positive direction for him. He seems like he still has some healing to do to me. And I just want to commend him for the bravery to come and do the show and talk about what's going on because he's very honest. I mean, he's, he's on Suboxone and he just drank two days ago and he's definitely struggling, man. How do you feel about where he's at right now? Well, I mean, it sounded like before he said he relapsed, he was doing pretty good for the past, you know, short amount of time. Um, But I'm hoping that the Netflix thing, the the documentary that he said is going to be on Netflix and Redbox and all that goes good for him and maybe helps get his name back out there to get some bookings and maybe it can lead to some other things. I don't know. Just something like he said, he has to feed his family. So let's just hope that um, he could do that. So now. Well, I'll tell you what, this is why it ended, and I think we know why it ended. And we're going to try to give you all kinds of stories. You know, we've gotten WCW, WWE, ECW, happy endings, endings that we're not sure of that are incomplete yet. I'm hoping he has a great ending. And you can reach us at why it ended on Twitter and also on Instagram as well. Right, Robbie? Yeah, Instagram at Why It Ended. Of course, our YouTube channel, guys. We need the subscribers. Why It Ended with Robbie E. And then um, remember, the pro wrestling tees. Just keep dreaming about them because they are coming shortly. And when it does happen, it might happen after the show drops. So it will be prowrestlingtees.com slash why it ended. Correct. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to uh, give us a five-star review. And make sure to tune in next week for Why It Ended. There's nothing wrong with me. This is how I'm supposed to be. In a land of make-believe that don't believe in me. Don't believe in me. Don't believe in me. The world of NLW Radio never stops. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.